Welcome. It's so good to be with you on this Wednesday as we get together for a little midweek Bible study and devotional time. And I'm so glad that you've taken time to join us today to do just that. It's always good to take a little break from the busyness of our weeks and hopefully to slow down for a little bit and take in some of God's Word and His teaching to us that hopefully we can apply to our lives to help us live better for Him and uh, to enjoy those lives that He has given us and the blessings that He desires to pour into our lives. Well, we are back in our series. We've taken a break for a couple of weeks, but we are back in our series where we're walking through Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5-7. through seven. And today, we come specifically to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, on the subject of adultery and lust. And if you weren't with us this past Sunday, I would encourage you to go back and listen to our sermon series. We've been walking through this in our, on Sunday mornings as well. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to this past Sunday's uh, sermon uh, as we go into a little bit more detail on uh, intimacy and, and physical intimacy and, and how God wired us for intimacy and specifically how He wired us for physical, sexual intimacy within the confines of, of marriage, the covenant marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, and then we also talk a little bit more about the nature of uh, lust and adultery and, and just go into a little bit more depth on, on the subject in general. And so again, I would encourage you to go back to listen to that. But we are going to talk just a little bit uh, this evening or today or whenever it is that you're watching this about the subject of adultery and lust and maybe some ways that we can combat it in our lives. So let's read what Jesus has to say and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Here's what he says. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus talks about what we intentionally set before our eyes. And while I'm sure that many of us would just as soon not talk about <laughs> adultery and lust at all, just leave it out, uh, Jesus does speak to it. And anytime Jesus speaks about anything, we need to sit up and take notice and pay attention and listen to what he has to say. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sets forth, you know, as a whole, we've talked about this, Jesus sets forth a, a whole standard for living in his kingdom. Here, here's how you live underneath the banner of, of the king and in, in, in the king's kingdom. Uh, this, this standard, this, this righteousness, as we've talked about, that goes deeper than just a, a surface level action, but one that comes from the inside out, an inside out righteousness that, that comes from the heart. And so specifically, as it relates to this subject, while it was said to those under the law of Moses not to commit adultery, you shall not commit adultery, it says all the way back in uh, the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses, Jesus takes it a step further. And he says that adultery is, is far more than simply a physical outward action. But really, it begins in the heart, and it can even take place in the heart. And Jesus speaks to the drastic measures that need to be taken to keep our hearts pure. And again, we talk a lot more about this in depth in the sermon, but I do just want to give you a, a, a couple of ways, three ways in particular, that we can keep our, our, our hearts free from the sin of lust and, and hopefully to fight for purity in, in our lives and in our hearts. So what are some ways that we can do that? Well, first, I think we must guard our hearts. 
We have to guard our hearts. We must carefully choose what we allow in our hearts and minds. We can follow the example of Job when he says in, in when it says in Job chapter 31, verse 1, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? And as Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so just I would just encourage you, take a, take a look over the past week and, and, and this week. What did you set before your eyes, whether intentionally or unintentionally? Sometimes we do it intentionally. Sometimes we just are kind of going through the motions and we don't even realize the things that we are setting before our eyes. We were just talking with our daughter about some, some of these things and kind of, you know, how we can just be, we, we, can, we can see these things um, and, and, and yet we, we can realize that, or not realize, I should say, that what we're taking in is not healthy for us. That, that, you know, one of the things that we talked about is that you're going to see things different when you become a parent as opposed to when you are younger and just a child. You, you just see things differently. And so sometimes it can be unintentionally, sometimes it can be in, intentionally. Uh, but what are some things maybe this past week that you set before your eyes that, that you should have never seen, that you should have never looked at? And what steps could you have taken to guard your heart against those things? Guarding our hearts doesn't happen by accident. It happens intentionally. Second, along those lines, separate yourself from evil. Just, just flee from immorality. Isn't that precisely what Jesus says when he tells us to pluck out our eye or gouge out our eye is the word he uses, or, or to cut off our hand if it causes us to sin? Now, I don't believe that Jesus intends for us to take his words literally there. I don't think he's literally calling us to chop off our hands and pluck out our eyes, but that shouldn't keep us from getting his point that we should sever anything and everything in our lives that keeps us from pursuing him with all of our hearts and our lives. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Flee from sexual immorality, Paul says. Don't think that your willpower alone is going to overcome your circumstances or that temptation. Just flee from it is the best thing we can do oftentimes. I, I like what Martin Luther uh, once said, how he, how he put it. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And then lastly, fill your life with good. You know, the reality is that you can't simply take something out of your life. You also need to fill that void with something good. Scripture admonishes, admonishes us to fill our hearts with those things and our minds with those things that are good. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about those things. Make a list of, of good things with which you can fill your heart and your mind and spend some time this week thinking on those things and allow them to fill your heart. And of course, above all else, may we allow the best thing to fill our hearts, and that's Jesus himself. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I hope you have a blessed day. God bless.